Good morning. Thank you, ladies, for bringing us together in worship. Isn't it <clears throat> nice? We have talented people in our congregation that can lead us in music. Um, just a note about last week, you know, as we were about ready to have the, <clears throat> uh, the celebration for Brant and Kevia's upcoming baby. Uh, we got news that Laura's mother was really near death. And so we all rushed over. Everybody packed up everything. We all rushed over. And, <clears throat> you know, she was a lady who just followed the Lord closely all through her life. Well, when she got saved. She didn't get saved until she was an adult. And she just followed the Lord real closely. And she didn't have... Uh, an easy upbringing. It was pretty rough. And all through you know, their ministry, there were rough spots. So she just hung on to the Lord. And she was, a, in a sense, a very simple person, but she was so faithful and so serving. And every time we would go visit, she would just sit me down and ask me all kinds of questions about how I was doing and everything. So she was really caring for everybody else. And so we're sad to see her go, but there were so many of us around her when she passed away, so that was really nice that we were there for her. And so we thank the Lord for allowing it to happen in that way. And she's 89 years old, so she lived a good, long life of serving the Lord. But let's pray together before we look into our sermon this morning. Father, we thank you for your blessings, and we know that this life can be tough, and we go through hard times, but Lord, we know that you are there, and we know that there is such an amazing future ahead of us when we come into your presence, and we live in your kingdom, and that, that promise is so fantastic that it just can encourage us all the way through anything that we face. And, and we know that you also give us strength. And we thank you for Laura's mother and the testimony that she had. And we thank you for the, how things turned out. And now we ask you to, to help us through this, um, these passages of Scripture that, and give us thankful hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, last week we talked about how important it is for us believers in Christ to be thankful people to be truly grateful people. And if we aren't truly grateful people as Christians, then that kind of shows us that there's something missing in our understanding of who we are in Christ. Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty or feel like a jerk if you do not see yourself as a thankful person all the time. Because we all understand that life on this earth can be very disappointing at different times and very hard at times. You know, when close relationships go sour, that's a tough time. When you lose someone close to you, that's a tough time. If you lose your job or you have a serious illness that really hampers your life or really cuts down on your life, that's tough. 
And then, of course, we think of our persecuted brothers and sisters all across the world who sometimes are subjected to horrendous suffering and, and hatred because their devotion to Christ. But yet, in all of that, the Bible tells us to be thankful. And in many instances, it's just not the Bible telling us, but it's the Apostle Paul himself telling us to be thankful. And he went through all kinds of suffering in his devotion to Christ as he served Christ. But he gave all his energy to doing what Christ told him to do. And eventually he was murdered for his faith. Now in a few minutes, I'm going to share some encouraging information I ran across about how thankfulness can help us as a person. But here's a quick summary of what we said last Sunday about followers of Christ and thankfulness. <clears throat> if Christ is your Savior, the Bible says that you have been raised up with Christ. And you think, what does that mean? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He says we have been raised up with Christ. Christ was raised from the dead. And then we know that when he was with his disciples, at one point he was raised up into heaven ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of God. And in Colossians, the Apostle Paul says, we have been raised with Christ. So what that means is that if we have truly turned to Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, then we become one with Christ. And the Bible says our lives are now hidden in Christ with God. Let me, let me correct that. Hidden with Christ in God. So we have been raised with Christ. Not just, not just, you know, forgiveness of our sins, but we're seated with him in the heavenlies, it says. But then again, it says we are hidden in Christ with God. And that means, one thing it means, is that when people look at us, they cannot see our glorified state. They won't see the full effects of our redemption until the end time resurrection. So it says that our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. And then it says, and when Christ returns to reclaim his earth from his enemies, we will be returning with him in his glory, sharing in his glory then everyone at that time will see we are in Christ Jesus and we will also appear with him in glory. So what is going to be hasn't really been shown yet. We still look like normal people, but we have been raised with Christ, but we are hidden with Christ in God. So Paul goes on to say, since your true life is in Christ, hidden with Christ in God, and you have been forgiven of all of your sins. He says, so then now leave behind <clears throat> all those things that are uh, you know, attached to the old body, to the old sinful self. 
Leave behind all the ugly things that belong to our old selves. Lying, cheating, immorality, pride, greed, selfishness. And he says, put on the new self, which is being renewed, you know, little by little, in knowledge, in the, in the image of its creator. And then Paul says, as we rid ourselves of our earthly selfishness and sinful habits, then we clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and goodness and patience and forgiveness and love. So we're hidden in Christ with God and we get rid of all the old bad stuff but we will be raised and we will just have all the good stuff and bring the good stuff in now. And then Paul talks about the virtue of thankfulness or gratitude. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. So he tells us all these good things to add to our lives and now he brings in the gratitude, the thankfulness. And then he says, let the message of Christ live among you richly with gratitude in your hearts. And then he says, and whatever you do, whether in words or your actions, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. So what we are saying is, we who have turned to Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, we have, in God's reckoning, been raised with Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's our standing, if our sins have been forgiven. We have been raised with Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God. And when people look at us, like I said, they don't see us seated with Christ, do they? Because the resurrection, the end-time resurrection, hasn't happened yet. But when Christ returns to defeat the armies of the world and reclaim his earth... We are going to appear with him in glory, sharing his glory. Then the whole world will absolutely recognize us as belonging to Jesus Christ and having been transformed. We'll be coming down with him. So in the meantime, we are to put aside all the stuff, all the bad stuff that comes from our earthly nature, our fallen nature, you know, selfishness, lust, immorality, evil desires, and to clothe ourselves, we are to clothe ourselves as children of God, exercising compassion, kindness, humility, patience, forgiveness, love. And Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father. The peace of Christ ruling our hearts and be thankful. The message of Christ dwelling in us richly with gratitude and doing all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father. So that's quite a bit from those first 17 verses. And they, they said quite a bit as to what it means to shed the old man with its thoughts and practices and put on the new man, which is being renewed in the image of God. 
And now I'd like to share with you some encouraging information on how thankfulness can change people, even, it can even change people that aren't Christians. This was a study and the, the title of the study was, is Seven Scientifically Proven Benefits of Gratitude. And the, there was a psychotherapist, Amy Morin, who came up with this. So see what you think of these things. Number one, gratitude opens the door to more relationships. It says, when you thank a new acquaintance, you know, people you just got to know a little bit, it makes them more likely to seek an ongoing relationship. So if there's thankfulness involved in some way, they, they just, it's just an attraction. Gratitude improves physical health. Grateful people have fewer aches and pains and feel healthier and are more likely to take care of their health. There's a positiveness, there's a positivity that goes with uh, gratitude, being a grateful person. <clears throat> Number three, gratitude improves psychological health. It reduces a multitude of toxic emotions ranging from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. It effectively increases happiness and reduces depression. Isn't that something if we're a thankful person? Number four, if anybody wants these, I can give them out to you uh, after the service. Number four, gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Grateful people experience more sensitivity and empathy toward others and a decreased desire to seek revenge. Number five, grateful people sleep better. Her suggestion is to spend just 15 minutes jotting down a few grateful sentiments before bed, and you may sleep better and longer. How about that? Some of you don't need that, do you? Can't get you out of bed in the morning, but anyway. Number six, gratitude improves self-esteem. Gratitude reduces social comparisons. Grateful people are often or more able to appreciate other people's accomplishments. So, you know, instead of fighting to build yourself up, a grateful person is more relaxed in who they are. And number seven, <clears throat> gratitude increases mental strength. Gratitude not only reduces stress, but may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. And they talk about PTSD and all of that. Now, we know, we, or we who know Jesus Christ should have a great advantage in this area, shouldn't we? Of being people of gratitude. In fact, we should be known as people of gratitude. That should just be part of our new nature, right? Since we know the horrible price that Jesus Christ paid for our salvation, and we know the enormous love that God must have had, God the Father, 
when he sent his beloved son to suffer the most excruciatingly horrible death to save us sinners. And I think Christ's death was so horrible because sin is so horrible. And I've said this before, but, you know, God timed out, timed the whole thing, put everything in its proper time. And Christ was on the earth and got condemned to death by the Roman at the time that they had crucifixion. Much different than he would be laying on a cot and get an injection, wouldn't it? And he carrying that cross all the way. And so we see the enormous love of the Son and the Father. And so really, if we understand that, how could we even think of being ungrateful? But it does happen, doesn't it? Sad to say. Because we are sin-infected human beings. And we belong to a fallen race, don't we? And we can become self-consumed. And we can, we have the potential to drift into thinking that God owes us something. We can drift into even crazy thinking when we take our eyes off of the Lord. Because we are sin-stricken and just left to ourselves without God's word and without God's people, we can just go off into a whole wrong area. And you know, many today who claim to know Christ are trying to tell God how he should be running the world. And many today are walking away from the church because of things they don't think a loving God should be allowing to take place. And so they say, what's the use? That is a far, far, far cry from being thankful, isn't it? I mean, being thankful takes you down one road, but thinking you know more than God takes you down a whole other road. And the first thing I would say to those people who think they know better than God on how to run things is they should read their Bibles. I mean, the Bible does not promise that everything is going to be fair in this current age. It actually promises the opposite. And you look at the life of Jesus. And then when we think about people being treated unfairly, Look what happened to Jesus. That should say something, shouldn't it? But second of all, if we want to challenge God and how to run the world, or if we want to tell God how things should go and what he should allow to happen and not allow to happen, I kind of picture it as, you know, the size, somebody the size of a fire ant, you know, those little tiny tiny ants, pointing our finger at someone the size of an ocean and trying to tell them what to do. We just have no business challenging God, do we? But 
I'm seeing it all the time from Christian leaders and then people who won't come to God because he's not doing what they think God should do. That's what we learn when we read our Bibles. We learn how we should see God. And as we go through the scriptures, you know, we read through the Bible. You read it daily. And you just cover a passage. And you, you cover the whole Bible. And that's what's important about reading the Old Testament, New Testament. You just see, you get a fuller picture of God. And that <clears throat> picture of God has come, you know, from the Holy Spirit if we have accepted Christ, and he teaches us, but we have to be in the word. And that tells us who God is and what his character is and why he does things. It doesn't give us every single answer, but it does tell us that we have to trust in God. Trust in him beyond what we can see and explain. As he trusted in the Father and had to go through that excruciating pain and suffering and rejection. And then, speaking of reading our Bibles, I want to just end this sermon by looking at some scriptures that, treat, that teach us the truth about our relationship to God. I just got uh, several scriptures here, and we'll just look at these. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. It is something how, in a lot of the Apostle Paul's instructions, he adds at the end, thankfulness. But first, you know, you receive the Lord, you persevere in your lives with him, you're getting built up by the Spirit and by your being in the Word, and you're overflowing with thankfulness. Psalm 717, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing the praises of the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 91, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart, I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You know the whole picture of God in the Old Testament and things that were pretty harsh, things that he did to different people, even, even how he you know, judged his own people when they went away from him. But yet, really, when we come to the Lord, we're supposed to be coming with thanksgiving, aren't we? Praise his name. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the victory comes. Comes at the end, even if we go through hard, hard lives. And then our last <clears throat> passage here 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, not because it feels good or we're glad we were in them, but we know that God is going to use them, right? And how do we know? Because, you know, we know that Jesus had already paid our sin debt. And we know that right now we are hidden with Christ in God. And one day we will return with him and we will be sharing in his glory. And here's my thought. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Who wants to start that, that little chorus right there? Get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a loving God. We thank you, Lord even beyond our understanding for the way you do things and the way you arrange things and how you have everything under control. And we pray that we can be faithful and thankful as we see things happen, even hard things, and as even people might do something unfaithful to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember your faithfulness and remember, Lord, that you build us through trials and that in the end, they will see us coming back with you in glory. And Lord, that we will live forever with you in glorified state. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.